Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 143 with our guest, Ben Baker. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, thank you for joining us and tuning right in. You're tuned into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show, and I appreciate that. I am your host, Josh Carey. Our guest today is the chief storyteller at Your Brand Marketing. He's also the author of Powerful Personal Brands, a hands-on guide to understanding yours, which, by the way, has a perfect five-star rating at Amazon. And he works with his clients to provide workshops, keynotes, and consulting services on brand strategy and brand communication. It's Ben Baker. Ben wants to work with you to allow you to stop being a commodity and instead be a brand worth loving. Who doesn't love that? I'm ready to have this conversation. Help me welcome Ben Baker. How are you? You are sir? way too kind. Thank you for having me on the show, Josh. I, I, I love your energy. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate all of that. And I really appreciate this, this topic because storytelling in, in business and telling your story, it's something that I've known and have been aware of that exists for so long. And in years and years past, it's not that I was ignorant to the fact that this is something that should be happening in my business. It's just that I didn't know how to implement it. So how does somebody with that block, an entrepreneur watching says, yeah, I get it. I've heard it before. I got to tell my story. I don't know what that means. Where do they even begin? All right. Well, let me first motivate every entrepreneur under the world. Inc. Magazine says that 70% of your employees are disengaged at the office. Forbes Magazine says that 50% of people are out there actually looking for another job. And Gallup estimates this is costing the U.S. economy somewhere between $450 and $550 billion a year. And it costs the average company about $100,000 from the minute an employee quits to the time you get them up, ramped up, motivated, and, and efficient within your company again. So, that alone should be motivation enough for you to be perking up your ears right now. Storytelling is a way to engage your people, whether, whether it's your employees, whether it's your vendors, whether it's your customers. 
if people know your story, they know what differentiates you. It's, it's, it's the essence of your brand. I mean, people look at brands as, oh, it's my logo. It's my color scheme. It's, it's the, you know, it's the, uh, the, the sign at the side of my building. No, that's not your brand. Your brand is how do people think about you when you're not in the room? What differentiates you? Why should they care about you? What's the value that you bring to them? And what makes them care about you and want to tell your story to others? So your brand is a way, sorry, your brand story is a way for you to be able to tell people your mission, your vision, your values. Because most of us, you know, at one point in time, depending on the size of the company, have written down our mission statement, our value statement, whatever, on a wall. We've got six pithy words. We've got a, you know, two lines that is our mission statement. And I'll bet you that 99% of the people within your company couldn't repeat them back to you. And if they could repeat them back to you, they don't know what they mean. And that's a problem. And if we can tell a story instead, if we can tell a brand story that says, okay, this is where we came from as a company. Mm. This is where we are. This is who we serve. This is why we serve them. This is where we're going and this is what we believe in. All of a sudden, you have a way for every single employee within the company to have a litmus testament for every decision that they make to sit there and say, okay, wait a second. I get it. I get the brand. I get the understand. I understand what differentiates me because I can tell this story. And I may tell the story different from you, Josh, and you may tell the story from somebody else. But the essence of the story is the same. And if your employees understand your mission, vision, and value through the story, they're going to sit there and say, wait a second here. This is how I fit into the company. This is, this is where my pocket is. This is what I do. Is This is how what I do matters to the rest of the company. And it allows for people to sit there and say, wait a second, I want to be engaged. I want to succeed because if I succeed, the company succeeds you know, and vice versa. Hmm. And because you do that, you have more engaged employees. You have employees that are not out there looking for work. They're happier at work. And guess what? That spills off to your vendors. It spills off to your customers. It builds better customer experience. It builds more brand loyalty. It, you know, more profitable clients. And therefore, it all comes down to profitability and expansion of the brand. So So, that's where brand story come from. It's so powerful. Uh, Again, I'm only in my current brand and business, the hidden entrepreneur. I'm getting that and I'm really starting to uh, intentionally live it and really understand it. So if we can use myself as an example to try to put it all into perspective, tell me if uh, if, if this is how it qualifies in your world. So the hidden entrepreneur, the the soundbite, the story, the premise is that I spent 40 years in hiding. I showed up in every situation hiding all of my power, all of my ability in exchange for seeking approval. That was the old and now the new uh, because of my two small children who helped play a role, uh, showed me a better way. I didn't want to continue to be that person in and around them. So I made the deliberate choice to, to take action and and up my game and and no longer hide behind the fear. So even that premise each and every day allows me to frame stories that fit that overall. Am I onto something? If those listening, for, for them, they could use a model like that to figure out 
who they are, who they were, where they're coming from, where they are and where they're going? Exactly. I mean, think of it like the hero's journey. Because here's the thing. Very few people want to hear the story and I made a million dollars the end. You know, nobody, nobody cares that you made the million dollars. They want to know how you made the million dollars and what were the struggles that you went through to get there. Because if you look at the hero's journey, here's the look at Lion King. You know, everybody can relate to Lion King, you know, whether it's the new digitally remastered version or the, the classic cartoon. I'm a classic cartoon type of guy. Um, you know, you can look at it and sit there and say, it's the journey that they took, the highs and the lows, and and the you know the fact that they 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 were defeated and rose from the ashes and realized and and became more self aware of themselves that makes it more interesting. You know, if if you you know people want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. They want to know you know the, you don't need to go into intimate detail about my my mother beat me. You know, it's, you know, you could, you could say that our, my childhood was less than, you know, motivating, you know, I, you know, there were things inside my childhood that this, and and because of that, I learned this, da, 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 da. People want to know, what did you learn from it? What are, what were the things that happened in your life and what did you learn from it and how has it made you better? And if you can tell that story, people will be engaged. People will be able to resonate with it because nobody has had a perfect life. You know, Kim Kardashian doesn't have a perfect life. You know, uh, Richard Branson doesn't have a perfect life. No, you know, Bill Gates doesn't have a perfect life. Everybody has gone through challenges. Everybody has sat there at one point in their life and had a low moment and said, there's, oh my God, what do I do now? And we are all better off because of those moments. And if we can incorporate those into our stories and, you know, you don't have to go into intimate detail of the, of the horrific things that happened. But you can sit there and say, you know what, because of this, I learned this and this allowed me to do this. And this is why I can help you better because of the experiences that I've been through. It makes me a better way to be able to serve you. I've been down that hole. You know, I've sat in the dark and the muck and in, in, in the wet for, for, you know, for a month, a, a year or two years. And I found my way out of that hole. And because I know how to get out of that hole, I can help you out of that hole too. Yeah, like today I find myself um, helping helping people, brands, businesses use podcasts specifically in their in their um, in their business for a variety of reasons. But what I connected to is because as I've done it, quite surprisingly, I realize what it's afforded me personally, forget about what we can obviously suggest it'll do for your business, right? The marketing and all that Mm -hmm. stuff, the visibility, the positioning, the authority, fine. But personally, I had no clue the the connections, the self-worth, the self-esteem, the opportunities that come from it, all of that personally. So I'm able to use those stories, use that as part of the whole to sell a product and service, right? Instead of just having on my, on my social and website, I'll help you build a website and it'll do this, this, and this. And you know, the typical, that's the difference between commodity and not. Yeah. I mean, I love I love podcasting. I mean, I've been running my podcast for two and a half years. The podcast is the Your Living Brand Live Show, and every week we ask another guest, "What's your story?" And you're going to be on my show. Um, you know, the big thing about it is every week you learn something different. You learn something mm-hmm. different from every single guest. Every single guest 
tells you their unique story. They tell you something about their life and the way they run their business. And my audience and I personally am richer because of the 130 plus conversations I've had. Exactly. Never mind the 25, 30, 40 you know, podcasts that I'm on on a regular basis you know, on other people's is that the, being able to tell those stories and be able to listen to those stories. You know, listening to stories is almost as powerful, if not more powerful than telling the stories. It helps build relationships. It helps build mm. trust. It helps build, you know, mutual understanding. Because if we don't know, like, and trust people, you know, if we don't know, like, trust, we'll never do business with people. We'll never continue to do business with them. We may do business with somebody once because they're cheaper. You know, if somebody's cheaper, yeah, okay, I'll give them a shot once, maybe. You know, you may be apprehensive and say, why are they that much cheaper? And I've done that. Oh you know, I'm in that situation right now. I've got two different quotes that I'm working on uh, for videography for me for a new course I'm working on. And one was half the price of the other. And I'm going with the more expensive one. You know, I'm going with the more expensive one because I, I asked the guy who's more expensive, why are you more expensive? And he was able to tell me the story of why the 20 years of experience and the things that he does and the equipment that he brings to the table and the, and the, the strategy that he can bring to help me along the way makes him worth double what I was paying the other guy. I love that you bring makes him worth double into the conversation because you talk about creating through all of this a brand worth loving. And mm -hmm. I wanted to dig into that um, uh, mentally, spiritually, emotionally a little bit, going a little deeper. In order for somebody to get there, yeah, there's work that needs to be done. You have to figure out your story. You have to know how to identify it and tell it uh, consistently and effectively. But in order to arrive at a brand worth loving in your own business, isn't there something that starts with the person? Don't you, isn't there something about yeah. really doing the personal work before everything else in order to for lack of a better phrase, to love yourself first or else there's the block, right? Isn't that almost the, re, the prerequisite, the confidence and the self-love before you can put that into a business of yours that's worth loving? Let's put it this way. My friend Mike Melia, who I've been friends with for 20 years, used to run uh, Las Vegas for Staples. You know, he took them from being a $300 million account, series of accounts, to over $1.2 billion dollars. So he ran the sales team that, that you know, did all the work in the casinos, had all the relationships there. And he said, whenever he was hiring a new salesman, he says, if you don't love yourself, you'll never love your customers. Wow. Say that again, please. If you don't love yourself, you will never love your customers. And your job is to love your customers. As if you want to create a powerful personal brand, if you want to be that person that people sit there going, I know, like, trust this person. I will go to the mat for them. I will pay them extra. I will, I, I trust them. I'll let, let them do the work that, that they need to do for me. You know, they need to know that you love them and you can't love them until you love yourself. So it all does begin with you. It's just like the culture of an organization starts at the very top. You know, when I'm doing my workshops, I do a workshop called Lead at Any Level, 
which is designed to teach organizations how to engage, retain, and grow their employees and build the next generation of leaders. Great. We do the work, the heavy lifting. This course can either be live, you know, it's a two-day live and intensive workshop, or I'm just in the process of building it into an online course that's going to be available in January. Um, the, you know, the premise of the course is that if the president, the CEO, the C-suite of the organization does not buy in to the work that I'm doing, it doesn't matter what I do. Because if it doesn't resonate through the culture, if people don't believe in changing, in leadership, in, in, in empathy and listening, understanding and valuing employees, it doesn't matter how much I teach that to the, to the VPs, the directors, the line managers, whoever, if the C-suite doesn't believe in it, it's going to cascade down, you know, and it's, it's, it's really that simple. But if, if there's buy-in and there's belief that the culture really truly believe, starts with the people and your people truly are the most important thing and it's not just lip service, you know, nothing else is going to happen. So let's give the person listening um, a, a workshop style exercise for the person. Like I started this whole conversation saying back in the day, I used to know, I was like, yeah, storytelling, but I just don't, I can't wrap my head around it. You in big letters uh, over your shoulder there, it says, what's your story? So yeah. let's say we got buy-in from the person listening. They're saying, yep, I'm on board, but I have no clue. I'm running my business. I get it. What's their first step to identify and venture down that path? The first step I ask everybody is, what are you passionate about? What are you truly and absolutely passionate about? And whether, whether it's personal, whether it's corporate, whether it's your know, customers, and every single person, if I'll go through a room of 24 people, every single one of them is passionate about something that's different from the person that's, you know, that's to the left of them and to the right of them. You know, people will, will go and say, oh, I'm passionate about my job. Oh, no, dig deeper. Right. You know, and I will. I'll challenge people, dig deeper. It's, it's not enough to be passionate about your job. Why are you passionate about your job? What is it about your job that you're passionate about? What is it about your job that makes you want to get up in the morning, spring out of bed, jump in the shower, run to the office, and do this eight hours a day, five days a week, you know, two, you know 200 plus days a year or 250 plus days a year? What is it that, that is the essence? Oh, I love being around people. I love the energy of the people that I'm around. Okay, great. That's what you're passionate about. You're passionate about leading the people that you belong. Now, what does that mean? And, you know, and so it's digging deeper and deeper and deeper into sitting there going, what do you mean by that? Why are you passionate about that? And why, is, why are the people around you so important to you? And it's, that's where the whole thing needs to start. You know, that's the premise of my book. My premise of my book is, you know, it's, it's, it's stories from my life. It's examples of lessons that I've learned and questions that I ask at the end of each chapter. And I leave two to three pages of, of notes space for you to write your own answers. And it's all about what are the things that are important to you? What is the hill that you're willing to die on? What are the things that you're going to sit there and say, I quit? That's it. I'm done. You've crossed the line. I quit. I'm done. You've, you've crossed my moral line in the sand. I'm done. You know, and those are the things you really need to think about because we all have them. 
You know, I have fired clients on the spot because they have crossed a moral line in the sand for me. And that's, you know, and that was a $200,000 client. And I took, and at the end of that day, we were done. And it was really that simple because they crossed a moral line in the sand. Such a powerful exercise. So once the person identifies that and gets really clear on that, and I like the drilling down and drilling down because the instinct, you know, what are you passionate about? I'm passionate about helping people. Well, we got to go a little further than that, right? So once we we ask the questions, we drill down, and we really come up with something. What do, what do we start doing? Because it's if if we identify our story, the next is proper communication, right? So what's yeah. the next step? We have to learn how to to tell it on our site, on our social, etc. You need to be able to tell it everywhere. I mean. <laughs> I was on a conversation this morning, Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk, and probably everybody on your time knows who Gary Vaynerchuk is. Love on it. his birthday yesterday, it was his 44th birthday, he put out a 264 slide deck, which, you know, personally, I think is absolutely ridiculous. You know, he's sitting there going, he says, you need to put out 100 pieces of content every single day. You need Correct. to take every one day. piece of content and you need to slice it and dice it. And I'm going, okay. Who's willing to stay up till five o'clock in the morning every single day, slicing, dicing, repurposing this, that, and the other thing? And then you sit there and say, okay, if I've got, you know, a hundred thousand people, a hundred thousand Gary Vaynerchuk loyal followers, each putting a hundred pieces of content out every single day, that's 10 million pieces of content being put out every day. And what does that create? That creates spam. That creates, you know, this is disenfranchised. People are going to stop paying attention to you. So you need to be able to tell your story in a way that's relevant to you. You need to first understand who are the people I truly and absolutely, you know, can I, can I help? Who are the people who are within my lane? You know, even Coca-Cola doesn't have a hundred percent market share. You know, Pep, Pepsi's got some of the business, you know, Coca-Cola's got some of the business. There are people who drink Pepsi that will never drink Coke. There's people who drink Coke that will never drink Pepsi. Fine. It's, you know, it's looking for those people out there that are within your lane. People are sitting there that are your true passion fans. Seth Godin calls it your minimal viable audience. You know, it's who are the people out there that both need what you, what you're selling, can afford to buy what you're selling and are, you know, and, and sit there and realize that they have a big enough problem that you have, that they're willing to listen to sit there and say, wait a second here, maybe this, this person can solve the problem that I have. You know, so those are the people you need to go after. If you sit there and craft your message so it, it resonates with everybody, it resonates with no one. Hmm. So you need to first understand who is your audience and are they on Snapchat? Are they on Instagram? Are they on Facebook? Are they on LinkedIn? You know, should I be direct mailing these people? Should I be going to, you know, actual conferences to dealing with these people? Should I be picking up a phone? I'm looking for 20 clients a year. You know, that's what I do. I do 20 to 30 jobs a year. You know, it will be a lot more with my online course because everybody can take it and they don't need my own personal, you know, expertise to do it. And that's why I'm doing it to be able to send it out to be able to the masses. But when I'm doing consulting, when I'm doing workshops, I'm doing 20 to 30 events a year. And so when I'm marketing, I'm sniper marketing. You know, my attitude is I've got the sniper rifle out and I'm hunting elephants. 
You know, I know exactly who my clients are. I know exactly what I want to talk to them about and what their pain points are and how I can fix their pain points. So you're putting communication out through your story, through your messaging, positioning your offer through all of that. So it speaks, and I like the uh, the sniper reference, directly to them, opposed to just putting an ad out or something like that and saying, hey, uh, I got a new client opening and this is what I do and I can help you with this. Yes. Because people do that and say, nobody's responding to my ad or nobody's responding to my offer. So they have to stop that and really focus on, well, how have you been marketing? How have you been communicating an ongoing, consistent, effective message that people are, wait, wait, what is he talking about? What is she saying? Oh, and then stepping towards you in order to begin that dialogue. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's seven and a half billion people on this earth. You don't need to reach all of them. You know, even if you need 10,000 people a day, say, say you are an enormous business and you need 10,000 people a day, fine. Who are those 10,000 people? Instead of just going after the 7.5 billion, hoping you're, you're gonna, you know, your net's going to catch the 10,000, is your money better spent figuring out who those 10,000 people are and going after them in a way that, in a language that resonates with them, on a medium that resonates with them, in language that resonates with them, and, and, and speaking to them and say, I understand the problem that you have. I've got the hammer that can, that can, that's gonna hit your nail perfectly. And if you can sit there and say, wait a second here, that guy can solve my problem. I'm going to click on that ad. I'm going to, that person understands what my problem is. I'm going to click on that ad. I'm going to read through their website. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to you know, pick up a phone. I'm going to call them. I'm going to buy from their website. I'm going to do whatever I need to do, whatever the call to action is. But more, there's a higher propensity of them doing it because you're speaking to them instead of speaking to everybody. Hmm. What world did you come from prior to this iteration of your career? Yeah, about 20, oh God, 19, 1996. So the year I got married, so about 23 years ago, I was in high tech. Um, everybody here, I'm assuming, knows who Best Buy is. Uh, I, I worked for a company called Ingram Micro, which is a small, at that time, a small little $12 billion company. I have no idea what they are today. Uh, but we handled a company called Future Shop, which was 75 stores in Canada, 25 stores in the U.S. that look exactly like a Best Buy, but they're red and white instead of whatever the Best Buy colors are. They ended up actually being bought out by Best Buy uh, long after I left them. But what it was is we we were the computer distributors. So we handled the computer distribution of it. They were a $100 million account. And my job was the 50,000 foot view. I, I handled all you know, the marketing programs, brought new, new, uh, new vendors to the table, all the relationship management, all that kind of stuff. But the problem was I was in the air 200 days a year. And you know, it got to a point where my wife and I got married. We looked at each other and said, this is a divorce waiting to happen. You know, this, is, this is getting ugly. So I went up to the bosses and I said, look, you know, either cut my travel days in half or double my salary to pay for the divorce. Your choice. <laughs> uh, the answer that came back is we'll buy you out. 
and they were generous enough to buy me out in a way that allowed me to take the what do you want to be when you grow up training I, and I recommend that to anybody to go th with a, you know an industrial psychologist and actually sit down and, and do a series of these tests to sit there and say what do you really want to do and what do you really want to be and the big thing it showed me was I work really well with large corporations I shouldn't work within large corporations. You know, I'm not a politics guy. I'm a guy that comes in, figures out what your problem is, helps you fix it. And then you send me on my way and you call me back when, th you know, when things happen again or another issue comes up or you need some more training or whatever. But that's where my benefit, my value statement, my differentiation is. You know, and it's taken me 20 or 25 years to build up my marketing expertise, and it's gone from direct mail to promotional marketing to trade show development to social media marketing to brand to you know internal communication, and the journey, all of these things have taught me that if you don't tell the right story, nothing else matters. You can throw millions of dollars away in marketing and advertising if you don't understand your brand. And if you don't understand who you are, what differentiates you, who your customers are, why they care about you, and then understand from that point of things how to communicate out to these people, you are going to waste millions of dollars over a lifetime of a business you know, in, in, in ineffective advertising and marketing. Pull back the curtain on your business today. Yeah. Um, so the the question that's glaring behind you, what's your story? Um, how do you identify that? What's your story? And then if, if we were to dissect your marketing strategy, where are we going to see you? What are we going to see? What are you doing? Okay. So what we do today is we help customers engage, retain, and grow their most valuable employees. You know, our job is to build, help build leaders at any level. Our keynote addresses, our consulting, our workshops are all based around that. How do we build more effective communication within your company? Because I believe that if you communicate more effectively within a company, employees are going to become more engaged. They're going to become more involved in the company. They're going to stay longer. They're, you know, there's going to be better ROI. They're going to build champions of the brand. And therefore, it resonates out to the customers. And, you know, your customers are happier. They spend money. They're more loyal. And they tell, they tell others. You know, they tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on and so on. So that's really where our differentiation is, is that we are the person with 25 years of communication experience and business experience to be able to come in not only to sit there and say, yeah, you've got a problem here and write you that 100-page report and walk away. We're the guy that will help you and will write that report in a succinct manner to sit there and say, here's where we see the leaks in your dike and here's how we can fix them together. You know, my goal is not to just sit there and leave a customer in the lurch to sit there and say, yeah, you've got a problem. So I've identified the problem, pay me my money. I'm out the door. I'm going to go find where somebody else's problem is. My goal is to sit there and say, how do we fix it together? You know, how do we make things better? How do we, how do we take your business and turn it around or, you know, augment or change or whatever. And, you know, it may come down to your brand is terrible. You know, your internal communication is terrible. You're, you know, you might have one or two cancerous employees. 
And we see that in every organization, unfortunately, that there's one or two people within an organization that have been hired up to the Peter Principle. You know, the Peter Principle is that you've been hired up to your level of incompetence. You know, so you've been promoted up to your level of incompetence. And the problem is we, we take salesmen and we turn them into sales managers, but we don't give them the training to make that leap of change. Or we give operations people, operations managers, but we don't give them the ability to actually learn, know how to lead. And we don't give them the, the skills that they need to succeed at the next level. They're assuming is if you were a great operations person or a great salesperson or a great marketing person, you'll make a great marketing manager. Or if you are a great marketing manager, you're going to make a great director of marketing. It's not true. Every single step along the organization requires different skills. It requires different thought processes. You know, when you move from being a vice president to in the C-suite, it's going from being an operational type person who is in charge of making sure a department moves in a certain direction to being a custodian of the actual organization, looking five to 10 years out and sitting there saying, okay, where are the pitfalls within the comp that, you know, within our competition that can, that can sink us. So it's a mindset shift that happens as people are promoted, but a lot of companies don't invest in their people to help them along the way to be better when they get there. And that's why they fail. What was little Ben Baker like as a young child growing up? I constantly questioned why, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was the elder of two children um, where my little brother would go hide in his room and, and, and do whatever. I would sit with the grownups at the, t at the table and continue the conversation and listen to a lot of the conversation. Typical oldest child. Absolutely. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll wear that, you know, yeah. you know quite well is, is the fact that I always wanted to sit there and be with the adults and learn from what they were doing. And, you know, it didn't make me popular amongst my own peers, but it set me up as I, as I got older. I mean, I was very lucky. One of my dad's best friends, I, I don't know if people remember this from the 1980s, uh, uh, Tommy, Tommy Vu. Tommy Vu was, was one of these TV guys, evangelists, that said, you too can make a million dollars with no money down in real estate. You can have big cars and big houses and whatever. And one of my dad's friends and his brothers were the pitchmen, were two of the top pitchmen for Tommy Vu. They made more money for Tommy than the next 15 guys combined. They're the guys that rolled into your town, mm. did the half-day free seminar for that you. That sold you his product. That sold you his $10,000 course. Okay? So those were the guys that I learned from. Wow. Those are the guys that I learned from. And you sit there and learn that perception is reality. You know, it, 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 there is no such thing as reality. Per reality is how it's perceived by the person that's perceiving it. If, Go down if, that path a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it's, 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 you may think you're the most wonderful person in the world, but if the people you're trying to influence think you're a jerk and an idiot, you're a jerk and an idiot. You know, it's really that simple. You may have this absolutely lofty view of yourself and your company and the people and, your, and, the, and the leaders within your company. But if the people who interact with yourself, your company, uh, the leaders within your company think that these people are jerks or your, your company has no value or you know, you're overpriced or you're undervalued or whatever, that's who you are. 
your brand is who you are when you're not in the room. It's how you are perceived when you're not in the room. So, you know, you need to sit there and be cognizantly aware of how do people, you know, how do people view us? And if they don't view you the way that you think that you want to be viewed, it's looking internally and say, what are we do? What are we doing? What's the mismatch between what we're saying and what we're doing that's causing the people not to believe in our message? Because it's not them. It's probably you. How do we get that answer? Is it as black and white as numbers? If we're reaching numbers, we're onto something. If we're not, we're not. Or do you go out and ask? How do you know how you're being viewed? I, I'm a big believer that if you're not contacting your customers within 90 days, every 90 days, you have no idea what your customers really think of you. You know, and it's it's if you aren't going out there and doing a litmus test and talking to a you know a series of your customers, you know, uh, I'm a big believer of senior management going out with salespeople, marketing people going out with salespeople, going to trade shows, going on on, on sales calls, going 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 with the uh, the tech support people and going out on calls with them, you know, and finding out what the people in the street are actually saying about your product. You're in trouble. You're you're out of touch when when senior management just sits in their C-suite and talks around a boardroom table and 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 makes decisions based solely on analytics. They're missing half the piece of the pie. You know, they're missing the most important thing. Analytics are only going to take you so far. They're important. Don't get me wrong. But analytics without interpretation, without understanding are ones and zeros. That's all they are. And if you aren't measuring the right things that are important to your company, if you're not listening to your customers, if you're not seeing what else is actually going out there in the marketplace, what's going on in different marketplaces, you know, that could affect your business, you know, you're not going to survive the 10, 15, 20, 50 years down the future because you're out of touch with, with the market. And you can, in today's digital world, you can become out of touch with the digital market really quickly. As I mentioned before, um, I spent a lifetime hiding behind fear, using that as an excuse not to take the action. I knew darn well I was capable of doing. You seem like a very confident, driven man today. Was that always the case? And can you paint a picture for us of a time when you were confronted in, in a state of fear, could have gone either way, cowering in the corner, but you knew you had to go right through it? Yeah. I mean, six years ago, I was in a serious car accident. I was in an absolute serious car accident. It got me to the point where the most I could work was 50, 50% of the day. You know, I spent most of my time between lawyers' appointments, doctors' appointments, physio, you know, uh, massage, all that, all those, you know, tests, you know, legal, legal uh, medical tests, all that kind of stuff. And because of I was getting all those tests done, I could not go into the U.S. because I couldn't get out-of-country medical insurance. Well, you're in Canada. That's I'm in Canada, but oh, okay. most of my clients are in the states because I was born in the U.S. I'm an American citizen. Most of my business is in the U.S. So I lost most of my U.S. business because I couldn't go and actually deal with my customers face-to-face. Because I, because I was doing all these medical tests, my insurance company would not insure me for out of the country, especially not mm. for the U.S. So I lost a lot of my business, and I was only able to work half the time. But, you know, you're an entrepreneur. 
you have no choice. Either your business survives or it survives. You know, those, those are your two choices. You know, because if you're sitting there going, waiting for, you know, EI or, you know, unemployment insurance or any of that kind of stuff to kick in, the only way it kicks in is if you shut down your business. So if I wanted my business to survive, if I wanted it to thrive, you know, I realized that the best I could do is tread water. But as long as I was treading water, as long as I was able to get to a point where at the end of the day, I was able to do the best I could do, you know, and every day do a little bit more, it, you know, you were able to power through this. And it's, you know, six years later, you're still recovering from a lot of that. Uh, and, but what it has allowed me to do is realize that this is my new normal. You know, this is, this is my new normal. I've changed my business model. I've changed how I deal with clients, the type of clients that I deal with, the structure that I deal with, and it has allowed me to be a better vendor and a better partner to my clients because I have put myself in a position where I'm sitting there going, this is what I truly do. This is what I'm good at. And the stuff that I'm not good at, I'm either going to refer you to somebody else or I'm going to bring a partner in. And I'm going to sit there going, I can't do everything. I can't do all of the, you know, all the, the jobs like I used to myself. So let me concentrate on what I do really well and bring in partners to handle the stuff that I don't do. Whenever we have uh, an, our version of a serious car accident, in your case, that's what it was, right? Um, we usually have a, um, a, a change or a different take on life. Was there a different outlook that from the day before to the day after you saw things a little bit differently? Yeah, it's, it's the new normal. You know, I, I, I call, call this my new normal. You, you, you have to understand that my life will, it will has an, and, and will continue to change. And that's okay. You know, it's the, the, the rule is today is, you know what, I'm going to take care of my customers to the best of my ability, which has always been my thing. But realize that these are the things that I can do. These are the things that I can't do. And don't worry about the stuff that I can't do. Focus on what I do do really well. You know, serve my clients to the best of my ability and, and, and excel at it. And sit there and say, you know what? I don't have to be an expert at everything. You know, I don't need to be, you know, I don't need to build my own websites. I don't need to do my own social media. I don't need to do my own marketing. I don't need to do any of that kind of stuff. Bring in people that do that really well, pay them for the work and trust them that they're going to take care of your customers in the, the same way that you're going to do it, you know, and, and build those, those long-term relationships, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's understanding that if, you focus on what you're really talented on, it's very freeing. Could you can say, you know what, we don't do that, but let me refer you to somebody who does. Hmm. And put, you know, you're still taking care of your customer. You're still making sure they're taken care of. They, they still see the value, but they realize that you're sitting there going, oh, okay, I come to Ben for this but I don't come to him for this anymore. He's going to, he's going to give me to the person that he trusts. And because I trust him, I can trust this new person to take care of me to do something else. Looking to put everything we've spoken about today into a nice bow package for the listener. 
what have we been saying? What is the takeaway for them? What's the next step? What are they doing from here? The, the next step and the takeaway is, is that your brand story is important. Your brand story is critical to differentiating yourself, not only to your customers, but to your internal customers. Get rid of the word employee, call them internal customers, because you need to treat them like customers. You need to treat them to say, how can I serve these people? How can I make their lives better? How can I help them succeed? You know, and those are your internal customers. Call them, you know, you can call them employees, but they're internal customers. The more we can tell a brand story that resonates with everybody, that gives them the tools to be able to make your company better and be able to tell your story better, the more effective you're going to be. And the, and the better chance you have of not being one of those 80% who don't make it past five years in business. You know, you can be part of that 20% that actually survives five years in business, that actually, you know, grows and survives and thrives and goes on and, and becomes a second, third, fourth generation business because you have an effective brand story. And that story will change. And that's okay. Mm, that's you important. Know, that, yeah. that story will change as you evolve. Your brand is, I call it a living brand for a reason, because your brand will evolve. If you still sit and go, we've always done it this way, so we're going to continue to do it this way, it's a recipe for disaster. If you sit there and say, you know what, we're now, at the, the grandkids are now taking over grandpa's business, it's not your grandfather's business anymore. How has it changed over the last 40 years? How has that business changed? You know, the products have changed. The, your customers have changed. Your, your method of operation has changed. So it's time to tell that story differently. And you need to be able to embrace that, especially through periods of transition. Because that, that being able to have that brand story that allows you to go through that period of transition allows you to transition properly and effectively. Such a powerful conversation. I will leave you with this final question. Ben Baker, how would you like to be remembered? It's my favorite question. I want to be remembered as the person that takes care of his clients. The, people, the person that people can trust. The people that people know that I have their best interest in heart. And it's about their success. My success comes when they succeed. You know, it's not about it's not about me. It's about you and your brand. It's about your relationships with your clients and how do we make that better. I will I will always you know thrive and survive when I take care of my customers. When they do well, I do better because those people will refer me, and they trust me, and they'll keep coming back to me. But it's all about them. Is this not Mr. Genuine over here? Certainly, my goodness. What a, what a man. What a dialogue. Thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on, opening up like this. It's just been, it's just been tremendous. Thank you for having me on the show. It's, it's been a wonderful conversation. I agree. And I'm happy to see everybody who has tuned in live today, or if you're catching this in its native podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Thank you for doing so. If you enjoyed it, you want to leave a review, please rate and review it. We'd be happy to hear your words and see what you have to say. We're going to do this again next time before too long. We'll talk again soon. 
Until then, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.